Amen. Amen. So last, uh, last Sunday, at Senior Sunday, um, we had a lot of seniors, and it was, a really, it was a fun day. It was a really cool day. But uh, we had to switch up some stuff right at the very end and um, move some things around, the lunch and stuff. And it was pretty hectic last Sunday morning, and, uh, and we, were, we were running around taking care of some stuff. And uh, right before church started, we kind of finished it all up, and we came running, I came running in here just to make sure that all my seniors were in the right spot, and I had all their information down on the, uh, on the paper like it, like it was supposed to be so I could get up here and speak, and so I didn't mess it up and have a line of mamas waiting for me after, you know, all those sort of things. And... Um, and I have this, I've kind of, you know, I, I, sometimes I get scatterbrained, and I was just running doing things really, really quickly. Well, I get through with the uh, senior announcements, and we do the welcome, and I'm walking down, and a, uh, a very, very sweet lady hands me a card, and a welcome card, and it just, I picked it up, and I looked at it, you know, and I, I didn't, I get a lot of, people hand me a lot of stuff on Sundays, and I read it, it said, Zipper. And uh, when you walk off a stage, the one thing you don't want to read on a card that somebody hands you is zipper. And, uh, and I was like, well, man, maybe my zipper. You know, sometimes tricky zippers will just slide down a little bit, you know. No, nah, it, was, it was bottomed out. And uh, that's been a fear of mine since I started, uh, since I started pastoring was to uh, stand on the stage. And that was about 5, 450, probably about 450 there Sunday. Standing on the stage in front of 450 people with my zipper down. And uh, that has always been a, uh, a fear of mine. One of those things that I dream about. Now, in reality, it, I mean, it wasn't the end of the world, you know. But when I was in junior high and high school, there I... Uh, I had another fear that I always kind of played, like played out every single year. I had to live through this nightmare every single year. Have you ever, uh, you ever had a dream? Now, you don't have to say because it, it look kind of weird. But have you ever had a dream that, uh, that you woke up or all of a sudden you found yourself in a mall or in a very, very large group of people and you're in your underwear or you're naked or something and you're trying to get away from people, but you don't know, and you're doing all these ninja moves, trying to get away from them, and maybe you never have, and maybe that's just my weird dream. But I would dream that, all, you know, a lot. And then, but it became true every single year, and you're like, Josh, you're getting really weird here, and I, I promise I'm going to bring it back around. Um, we had the, uh, the all-sports physical day, okay? And, um, and I don't know, I'm assuming they still kind of do something similar to this now, but uh, we would all meet up at the Thomas Assembly Center and uh, all sit in the seats around the, uh, around the court. And they would call us by, I don't remember if it was by school or grade or our last name or something. But everybody was there at one time and they would call you down in small groups onto the floor. Now I've always been a slightly heavy boy. And I was there and I was like, you know, it wasn't a big deal as far as the whole physical guy. I could care less about all that. But, but I would go down there and they would say, all right, boys. You know, you'd have the old doctor down there and say, all right, boys, strip your shirt off. And I was like, man, all these mamas and all these sisters. And, and, and the thing about it at the assembly center is it's just like every other, um, it's like this church. It's like every assembly center, every single seat in the place is turned and focused in specifically to where you are looking towards center court. So you have to be going out of your way not to be looking at what's right in front of you. And I'm just standing there, and I feel like I'm on, I'm on show for all of these people. I strip my shirt off, and people will come by and, you know, suck up and, and do. But I'd be terrified for like a week, a week before. But here's the deal. 
when, it, when they did that checkup, they would find stuff with some people that, that you may not find, and they didn't know because a checkup's not a, a bad thing. A checkup is a really good thing. And, um, and the, you know, kind of the older you get, instead of worried about taking your shirt off, you kind of worry about what they may find in the checkup. But needless to say, a checkup can help us locate and pinpoint things before they ever get bad. And that's the goal uh, of, of a checkup. Tonight, you know, it's, it's Memorial Day Sunday night. This is always my gig every year. And, uh, and, uh, and believe it or not, man, I, 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 I really, really, I, this probably, I look forward to speaking at this time um, probably more than any other Sunday. It's just, like, I just I enjoy this group. And, uh, and so tonight, really, I'm just interested in us taking a checkup. This is kind of what has been pressed upon me. Really, I'll be honest, for the last two or three months, um, um, really has been rolling through my mind a lot, and, and I'm excited about kind of what it has to say, and it's kind of taking a look at it maybe from a little bit different perspective than we're used to. We are in, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 7, and uh, in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read uh, just five or six verses, but the first verse, and we're going to look at just one verse right now, and that is, uh, that's verse 15. Let's take a look at verse 15, and this is what it says. It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in uh, sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And Kyle, you can just leave that up there for now. It says, it says watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And you may be kind of like, Josh, where are we going with this? Um, and I think that it gives us a lot of application, both for ourselves and helping other people. But kind of right off the bat, a couple of big things that I think that it... Uh, that, that it points out is that we need to know who it is that we are listening to. We need to know who it is that we're listening to, and we need to know who it is and what they're teaching, and we're going to talk about that more in a, uh, in a moment. But, but the thing about these false teachers, and we're fixing to get into that, but they have tendencies, and I think that it is good for us to be able to see their tendencies so that we can kind of examine ourselves, and maybe we're not at that, maybe we're not stretched out where they are at this kind of weird, obscure direction, but, but we can, it, it's not hard for us to start moving in a direction other than what God wants, and it gives us an opportunity to check out and see where we are and what we need to do to correct it. This, uh, this, this phrase, they are like, uh, they are like, uh, they are wolves in sheep's clothing, is a, uh, is a pretty common phrase for them. And Jesus didn't need to go into it and explain this a whole lot. He didn't explain it. We don't get a glimpse of him explaining it at all because it would be something that would, uh, something that would resonate very well with the people of the, uh, of the day. A shepherd would take and, uh, and most likely he would be wearing a, uh, like a sheep's skin turned inside out to wear the wool inside. And, and, and back in, in first Kings, we see Elijah that kind of took a, um, kind of a similar pattern to that. And Elijah, the, the prophet, uh, it says that he wore a hairy mantle, all right, a, a hairy jacket. I've been called a hairy mantle before. And, uh, he, he, uh, he would wear this hairy mantle and um, this hairy jacket and, and other prophets kind of picked up on it and that became like the prophet garb to wear. You wore this hairy jacket and people could identify prophets by the garb that they were wearing, the, the clothes that they were wearing. But, but you know, the, the, and there were true prophets that wore this, but it wasn't hard for somebody who wanted to play the part of a prophet to, to pick up, this, pick up this, this uniform, I guess, you would say, and uh, this jacket, and play the part of a uh, 
play the part of a prophet. And, and Jesus is saying, he's given a warning to the people. He says, man, you've got to watch out for these false teachers. You've got to watch out for these false prophets. He said, because they are dangerous. They are dangerous. And, uh, and so tonight, kind of what we're going to look at is, is kind of stepping in and looking at three areas that, uh, that, uh, that, are, that are kind of play this out. One of the, uh, kind of before we step into there, there was a uh, kind of a rule for, for order of worship, kind of. Um, and I always mispronounce it, but it's the uh, uh, Didache. And it was basically this, uh, this book, about a written, first one written about 100 AD, that uh, was, was, was directed worship and, and gave directions kind of for the, uh, for the church and kind of outside of the Bible. But it was kind of like an order of worship kind of book. And, uh, and it talked about false prophets. And it said, you know, you may have a prophet come up and, and, and stay for a night as they're passing through. And, and it says, if, at most, if they need to, they can stay two nights. But if they ask to stay for three nights, then you need to tell them to move on because they are a false prophet. They said, they sh- if they ask you for something to eat, they should only ask you for bread. But if they start asking you for money, get rid of these people because they're false prophets. This was something that was very, very common in, uh, in the Old Testament church. I guess in the Old Testament and then the New Testament church, you, you, see, you see false prophets and they're, and they're working different angles, but, uh, but there was a great deal of popularity because they could, uh, prophets were, 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 were looked highly upon, they were taken care of, and that is what we're going to look at. Let's look at three areas that, a, uh, that, that, that false prophets were, were, were wise in or in directions they had. And the reason we're looking at this is not just for knowledge to put in our head, not just to, uh, not just to stack and put some books and some, and some works in our heads where we know this, but to give us the ability to, to examine ourselves because what we'll see is the, the direction that they would focus in is very, very, very easy for us to do. At least I'll speak for myself. It is very easy for me to do. And uh, so let's take a look at that. The very first one is uh, false teachers spoke for their own gain. False teachers spoke for their own gain. Just what, that, uh, just what the, the Didache, that, that book, was talking about is, is they spoke for their own gain. They, spoke, they, they would play the part of a prophet so that other people would take care of them. So that other people would, would, would comfort them. So that other people would, uh, would give them, get refuge and give them food. And, uh, and you know, that is something as a whole as our country that, uh, that, that, that we're struggling with right now. Is, is a few people taking, a lot, taking care of a lot of people. And, 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 and kind of how that kind of plays out is really interesting because we as Christians are called to, to take care of, of, of people and their needs. And, and, but we're also, you know, there, there's, there's limits to that and how that plays out. But for us personally, you know, do we look for other people? Do we spend all of our time hoping other people will build us up? Instead of us working to build other people up. These, these false prophets were more interested in what other people could do for them than what they could truly do for other people. They had an inward focus on themselves rather than an outward focus on, 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 on other people. 
man, we, can, we, we always need to be focused on others. It's interesting in that when Christ is talking, he said, he said that the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is just as important, to love your neighbor as yourself, man. Be focused on other people before you're focused on yourself. The second thing that these, uh, that these prophets were, uh, were, were guilty of is they spoke for their own prestige. They spoke to build, each, that, to build themselves up. They would come up with, and, and because they were false prophets, they were not getting words from God. And so they would speak and, and say this really, really nice, probably sounding stuff because people were hungry to hear from God and people would accept them and it would make them look really, really, really important. You know, Paul... As he is talking and sharing Christ with people, it's interesting that he talks about this in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 8, and I'm going to read this passage. It's probably very, very familiar with you. It says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of, of the Spirit, I think is what it got cut off. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and have put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And in verse 5 and 6, he goes into this lengthy like, description of why he is, 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 has all of, this, all of this reason to be able to brag. In verse 7, but it says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain in Christ. Paul says, I have every reason to be able to stand on a box and say, look how good I am. But he says, compared to the fact of knowing Christ, everything that I have considered to be good, and people look at it and say, this is great in my life, he says, is complete and utter garbage. Because Christ is supreme over everything. And, and that is easy for me to stand up here and say on the stage. I'll be, I'll be really, really honest. That's easy for me to stand up here and say. That is probably easy for... Um, if I was sitting out in the, in the crowd to be able to hear that, but does that really truly resonate in my life? That is what I, I, I've dwelled on, is to say that, you know what, everything about me in, in, in view of what God has done is, is garbage. I can say that, but it is something that I struggle with because it is so easy for me to focus on me. And I think that we have got to get to a spot where we just say, man, I've got to go to the background. I've got to, I've got to get in the background so that Christ can come into the foreground and start leading. I have a quote on my board that, uh, that is pretty, uh, man, I, I love it. it is, I think it speaks very, very true. And, uh, and here it is right here. It says, no man can at one time prove that he is clever and that Christ is wonderful. No man can at one time prove that he, and he's talking about himself, is clever and that Christ is wonderful. Two people cannot lead your life. Two people cannot lead my life. Either I'm leading my life or Christ is leading my life. And if I'm leading my life, that means I've told Christ to get back behind me. And man, I, I, I don't know about you, but f- for me, looking at this, there's nothing else that I want to do than to, than to, to see God leading my life. 
And so, so for us this morning, man, that's a humbling, that's a humbling quote, quote to me. Let's look, at the, uh, let's look at the third area of false teachers. It says, false teachers spoke in order to get their personal viewpoints across. False teachers spoke in order to get their personal viewpoints across. Man, this is something that's really easy to do. To take and to all of a sudden get this platform to be able to speak and, 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 and to have a crowd listening to you, to be able to shovel your viewpoints across. I think this is a challenge for any time that you are standing in front of people um, to make sure that you are grounded in what God's Word has to say and not what you're thinking in your head. And, um, you know, it's interesting, um, and I'm kind of, kind of, hopefully I don't bust your bubble, hopefully, hopefully you know this, but every book at Lifeway, and uh, it used to be called the Baptist Bookstore, Lifeway, every single book at, the, at, at Lifeway is, uh, is not grounded in what God's Word has to say. Simply because a human wrote it and humans make errors, but I, I, I just tell you that so that you don't walk in and read this book and say, man, this is, this is, this is rich, rich stuff. I've never read this in the Bible. This is great stuff. It may be because it's not there. And it may be because it's this fresh new teaching because, yeah, God never said anything about it. And, um, but the only way that we can be guarded, you know, for us looking at it today, it's kind of, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, about knowing who we're listening to, knowing who we are taking advice from. The only way that we can tell if, if somebody grounded and somebody speaking God's word in a truthful manner is for us to know it ourselves. There's no way for us to come and, and, and swipe this credit card on their back to see if they're right or they're true or not. The, the only way for us to know if people are sharing God's word for the truth like it is, is for us to know what he's saying. For us to know what God's word is saying, the only way to do that is to spend time with God and spend time in God's word. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that sometimes people want to go deeper and they want to go further. Man, we, sometimes we can do that and jump over some basics that we have got to be grounded in. That we have got to be grounded in. Now, this passage goes on from there and it's talking about, it talks, you know, some more. And it kind of gives us an, a couple areas and how we can identify them. In verses 16 through 20, and let's take a look at 16. It says, by the fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In verse 20, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Sometimes Jesus has interesting ways of saying stuff backwards and forwards and all around. But, it's, but basically what Jesus is saying here, he says what is going on on the inside of that person is what is going to eventually come out on the outside of that person. I always tell our student, my students that, uh, that our fruit is, is kind of our reaction to what comes out of us when we're just being us. When, we're, when we decide, hey, we're not going to, when we get relaxed and we're not putting on this, this facade and, and that reaction is just true and, and right and, and, and it's just, it just is who we are. I've, uh, Janelle's wanting a garden and, uh, and I'll be honest, I did not want to go till my backyard up for about, well, at least two reasons. One, I didn't want to till it up because I kind of like my backyard. And two, I didn't want to till it up because I didn't want to get on the tiller. And, uh, and so she wanted this garden. In the, and so what I was looking at, she was gone one day. And I said, okay, it's garden time. And I went and pulled up half the flower bed on the side. I just took all the plants out of half the flower bed. Mickey did it too, didn't he? Beautiful. I pulled up all the flowers out of the flower bed because it's like... 
It's on the side of the house. Nobody even sees it anyway. And so I pulled it all up, planted a garden in my flower bed. And uh, I've got all these things. And I've been, I just, I've kind of got this one plant. It's a squash plant. And, uh, and it's a big squash plant. And the reason is I'm kind of doing an experiment because it's kind of boring waiting for this stuff to grow. So I've been fertilizing it like every few days just to see what would happen. This squash plant has leaves on it about like this. Every other one of my squash plants has leaves like that. This thing is super huge. But the fact is, as big as those leaves will get, the only thing that it's going to produce is squash. It's a squash plant. It's not going to produce anything but squash. And it really, to be honest, it may not even produce squash. I don't know. It's kind of, they kind of, I don't, you, you need to come by my house. It's worth the drive. Um, but it's just going to produce squash because that is what it is. It is a squash. It has got the DNA of a squash plant. When we take a look at both ourselves and at others, people can recognize us by the fruits that we portray. We can take, I always tell students this, we can take and play the game a a long time. We can go back and forth, back and forth, and say, you know what, we're going to, uh, you know, we're we're a good good guy, and I'm going to be in church for the next four weeks. And and all those things are great, but they don't, They don't determine what your relationship with Christ is like. I believe that if you have a great relationship with Christ, you're going to feel very compelled to be in church. You're going to feel very compelled to read your Bible. You're going to feel very compelled to spend time praying. And uh, but but what is going on on the actual inside is is the fruit that you're going to produce. And it may take a while for people to start seeing that. You may be able to play that game and and cover it up for a while. I promise you, I did it all the way through high school. I thought I had this game playing where everybody around me that I wanted them to believe that I was a a good guy and a follower of Christ. I played that game for about seven or eight years, all all the way through into college. And, uh, And finally, or about halfway through my senior year of high school, I realized, man, I'm just playing games here. I am just playing games because there's nothing real about Christ going on inside of me. And that's kind of where I started fresh was, was, was at that time. And so, so I ask us, so tonight, if we look at our life and we see uh, what is going on, is our fruit, is, is, it, is it Christ-like fruit? Or is it fruit of, of everything else but Christ? The deal about these false prophets is every single one of their traits put them focused on themselves rather than focused on Christ. Every single one of their traits pointed back to them instead of pointing back to God and to others. It's interesting that, that Jesus jumped on the Pharisees' back constantly because they, they, they spent a lot of time in what we would call church and would get so bogged down with rules as far as how much can I carry on Sunday I guess it was their Saturday. How much can I carry on this Sabbath? How many steps can I take? How much, how far can I, how much, what is work? All of these things. And, and that was their, that was their relationship with God was based on, on a big list of do's and don'ts. And, and basically it came down to what they were able to, to, to do right was how well their relationship with God is. I don't know about you, but I, I'll be honest. I, I'm a mess inside sometimes. Sometimes I just feel like, man, I have just sinned and, and just messed up royally and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 it, and it's interesting for, at those times that, that God will grab my heart and say, Josh, yes, you have messed up, but are you, are you going to get to a spot right now that you're willing to just say, you know what, I have messed up and, and, and to come and to, to let, me, let me start putting your life back together? 
Because the Pharisees, I think what happened is they were so worried about themselves that, that God was not able to be shown through them because they were standing puffed up as, as, as big as anything. But it's interesting that God is shown through our, through our brokenness, that Christ is shown through our brokenness. When we are willing to admit, you know what, I mess up and, and, and willing to allow Christ to, to we'll admit to Christ, hey, I've really messed up here and, and allow him to start putting us back together, he will be shown through us. It's interesting that Christ is saying these words, and yet Christ is, is he's saying these words to a group of people, and it's being recorded in Matthew. But tonight, as we sit in this room, he's saying, guys, this is exactly what I want your life. This is what I want to do in your life right now, today, in 2012. Tonight, as we get ready to move into invitation, I just urge you to take an honest look Take an honest look at our lives. Look at that checkup. What is it that we need to shift towards God? What is it that we need to, what is it in our lives that we need to tear down so that Christ can be shown through our lives? What, I, man, and it, it, I, I'm not trying to fill in the blank for it. What is it that we need to do? Maybe you just need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you just need to get back straight. Maybe you're kind of sitting there and you're like me when I was in, a senior in high school. And you're like, man, I've been just playing this game. I just urge you to do business right now. Whatever that business is, that's between, that's between you and God. There will be ministers down front if you would like to talk to us. If you want to come down and spend some time praying around the altar, I mean, I urge you to do that. There's something special about coming before God on your knees. But whatever it is that you need to do and however you need to do it, uh, let's stand together as, uh, as we move into a time of invitation. I'm going to pray for us, and, uh, and then let's spend some time doing business with God. God, I just love you, and I thank you. Father, I pray that as we're in this room on this, on this uh, Memorial Day weekend, Father, I, I pray that, uh, that you will just uh, work in our lives. God, I pray that you'll help to tear the pride down. Father, help us to move forward. Help us to, to, to grab onto what it is that you want us to do. Father, help pride to get out of the way to where we'll actually take steps and, and do that. God, I, I pray that right now if we need to... Uh, if we need to start a relationship with you, God, that, that we will do that. And that we will just spend some time praying and asking you, God, I pray that you will just come into my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I'm selling myself out completely to you. God, come into my life and change me tonight. I urge you just to spend some time where you are at the front. Spend some time doing business with God.